You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. And welcome to the same old Dolphin Show, sponsored by BetUS, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Hey, we beat the Jets, baby. We beat the Jets. It feels good to beat the fucking Jets. It feels so good to beat the Jets. I don't care what is going on anywhere else in the world, right? The world could be burning down. It could be on fire. And if the Dolphins went out there and played the Jets and beat them, I'd be happy. So you know what? I'm happy today, baby. I'm happy because the Dolphins beat the Jets in their building. We beat Joe Flacco. Brandon Jones destroyed the man, knocked the ball loose. Let's go. Let's go, Miami. Let's go. Fired up, Brain. Yeah, I see that. And look, it feels good. Look, it feels good to beat the Jets. Look, I, I said it last week. I said, look, we, after we beat the Ravens, I'm resigned to the fact that we're probably not cleaning house. So let's, let's just, let's enjoy the ride and let's take this thing as far as we can go. So if we got to win out to have any chance of making the playoffs, then every week is a playoff game. So we just won ourselves a playoff game. So, so feel good about it. Uh, it doesn't matter how it looked. Uh, like X said after the game, it's hard to win on the road in this league. So you take what you can get. It doesn't matter. You're going to have to win ugly sometimes. If you're the Dolphins, most of the time, you're going to have to win ugly. But at the end of the day, a win is a win. And when it's against the Jets, it's a good win. It's always just that little bit sweeter when the Dolphins beat the Jets. Always. Yeah. Just a little bit. And, and, and listen, I mean, there's a couple of different ways to look at it because fact is, Patriots beat the Falcons on Thursday night this week, but the Bills got mud stomped in their own building by the Indianapolis Colts. So the Bills, who are supposed to be the odds-on favorite to win the division, currently in second place in the AFC East behind the New York, New England Patriots, whatever. But the Bills lost. Dolphins beat the Jets. Pretty good Sunday heading, in Thanksgiving, heading into the Thanksgiving holiday. So that's really good. So we're going to get into some of the talking points coming out of this game. And, and quite frankly, I think there are quite a few of them uh, in this episode. But first, uh, I just want to make a quick mention, obviously, not in the home studio today. I'm coming to you live from the Chicagoland area uh, as uh, we, I am 
on vacation with my family, visiting some very dear friends here uh, just north of the city of Chicago. And so going to be here for Thanksgiving week. So not at the home studio, but still dedicated. Wanted to bring you a show this week. So that is what we are going to do. And it is a show that is sponsored just like every show that we do here on the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network, sponsored by our good friends at Manscaped, who remind you that it is very important to take care of yourself below the waist whether that means grooming or otherwise. But as far as Manscaped is concerned, it's definitely about the grooming stuff. So we invite you to head over to manscaped.com. Use the promo code DOLPHINSTALK. You'll get a 20% discount. You'll get free shipping. And listen, this is a great discount. It's the holiday season. You can take advantage of all the great products over there. The Lawnmower 4.0, the Ball Toner Deodorant. You get the Ball Deodorant. You get the 2-in-1 uh, Shampoo and Conditioner. The Body Wash, which is incredible. They got the boxers that are super comfy. Uh, listen, folks, we, we, re- we, we talk about it every week. Head on over to manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor. Use that promo code DOLPHINSTALK. Get a 20% discount on all the great products. So whether you buy a lot or you buy a little, you're still getting a discount. You're still getting free shipping. So we invite you to make sure that you do that. Also, make sure that you are following us on Twitter. I am at Amplified to Rock. He is at Aaron the Brain. The show is at Same Old Dolphins. And of course, follow at Dolphins Talk as well. And then don't forget to download, rate, review, and subscribe to the Same Old Dolphin Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts. And we appreciate you leaving a five-star rating, leaving us a positive review does a lot. It's the Thanksgiving season. Lots to be thankful for. And we are thankful for all of you who tune in to every episode of the same old Dolphin show and really every show over on the uh, DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. Brain, we're going to be talking about some things that we're, that we're thankful for probably at the end of the episode after we talk a little bit about football. We're also going to talk about some Thanksgiving food takes because I want to get some of that from you. I want to hear some of your Thanksgiving food takes, and I'm sure you've got some of those. Oh, yeah. uh, and we also, of course, want to hear from all of you out there. So if you're watching live on the DolphinsTalk.com YouTube channel, which, by the way, you should be subscribed to. We're almost up to 2,000 subscribers, so help us get there. Head to Dolphins. Uh, youtube.com go to the dolphins talk channel hit subscribe smash the like button on this video and turn on notifications so you know when we go live we appreciate you but what is your all-time favorite thanksgiving dish that is the question out there for all of the listeners the brain will be sharing some of your responses with us later in the show so let us know what are your favorite thanksgiving dishes we're very curious about that i know what mine is we're going to be talking about that later on in the show as well. But first, we got to talk about the Miami Dolphins getting that 24 to 14 win over the New York Jets. And Brent, and Brain, listen, I think we want to do this one the old fashioned way here on the same, same old Dolphin show. I want to talk about the good. I want to talk about the bad. I want to talk about the ugly because I think there was a little bit of all of that in this game. So I think we ought to start with the good, right? And, and for me, the good. And, and I, I wonder if you'll agree with this. I feel like you probably will. But the good for me in this game is the game management at the end of this game by the Miami Dolphins. Because, listen, it wasn't pretty for a lot of the game, right? For a lot of the game, there were there were some struggles that the Dolphins were having on offense. They were trying to get things going, and they, they couldn't seem to get out of their own way. But when they finally, they, they eventually went up 14-7. to And the Jets eventually tied the game, right, with about 50 seconds left in the third quarter. They tied the game, 14-14. 
The Dolphins' answer to that was to go on an 18-play, 7-minute, 44-second touchdown drive to go back up 21-14. to They took control of this game and said, you know what, Jets? You're trying to come back. You're trying to give yourself some life. We're shutting that all down right now. Seven minutes, 44 seconds. And then immediately after that, the Dolphins let the Jets hold the ball for only a minute and 25 seconds before they forced a punt out of the Jets. Dolphins get the ball back and then go on another 14-play, six-minute and 53-second drive that ends with the Dolphins trying to draw the Jets offside on a fourth and one inside the five-yard line and then eventually kicking the field goal to go up 24 to 14. But at that point, the Dolphins kicked that field goal. I mean, it was almost no chance that the Jets were coming back in this one. It it was, you know, the Dolphins kicked that, the Dolphins kicked the field goal to go up 10, under two minutes to go in the game. Jets are going to have to go downfield, score twice. And, you know, this is the National Football League in 2021. The odds of the Jets kicking and successfully executing an onside kick, very poor. But that was a moment of the Dolphins. And this is something that we have not seen a whole lot of from a Brian Flores Dolphins team or a Dolphins team in general the last couple of decades, which was the other team is trying to show some signs of life. But the Miami Dolphins decided we're shutting it down and we are winning this game. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you for playing. But we're going home with a dub while you stay here in the Meadowlands with a big old L. Dolphins controlled the game down the stretch. It was a beautiful thing, Bryn. Yeah, I and I'll give I'll give Brian Flores some credit in that, uh, you know, last year I felt like there were games like this too, and then I believe if you think back to the 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 week one victory against the Patriots, it was a similar uh, kind of deal where the Dolphins had an opportunity to kind of put the game away, uh, and they and they did it. They put the game away. So, and, and it, we've seen this team. I think right now what's going on with this team in this season right now just kind of shows the resiliency of this team that they have a lot of fight. They easily could have given up at one and seven. Uh, they're, you know, there, there's a lot of reason for them to not have a lot of fight, but they, this team is together. They do believe and they are playing hard and they're showing uh, a ton of grit. Uh, so you like to see that. I agree. It's good to see them take, take control of a game against an inferior opponent. Uh, you know, look, albeit, look, the Dolphins are, are four and seven now. We were three and seven coming into this game against a two and seven Jets team coming in. So it's hard for the Dolphins to really look at any other team and say, Hey, that's an inferior opponent. But I think we're getting back to that mode where the Dolphins are kind of showing, look, we weren't as bad as the one and seven record. Uh, and we, we aren't one of the worst teams in the league. We might not be a very good team. We may not be a playoff team. We're probably still one of those, you know, 20 or so teams in the middle, uh, that where, you know, a bounce this way and a bounce that way. And you're either a playoff team or, or a 10 loss team. Uh, I think that's very much where the Dolphins are at. But that said, 
There are a couple of teams in this league that are inferior teams. The Jets are one of them, and the Dolphins put the game away when they needed to. The Texans are one of them, and we put that game away when we needed to. Now, I, I think the Jaguars are probably one of those teams, and we didn't take advantage of, of that. And that might be one of the, when, when all is said and done and we're looking at this season as a whole, uh, a couple months from now, we're going to look back at that Jacksonville game and we may look back at a couple of other games and say, Hey, I wish the Dolphins would have showed that ability to take control. But hey, they did it in this one. And so you got to feel good about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's a, at the end of the day, it's a good win. Uh, what is what was your good in this game, Brain? You had to pick something, one thing that's good. I mean, there were quite a few, I think. But if you had to pick one, what would it be? I mean, I, I didn't think there was a lot that was like really stood out as good because for everything that was good, I thought that there was like, okay, this could have been better. I, I didn't really like, like at the end of the day, we were in a dogfight with a, a Jets team that's awful. We needed them to miss two field goals and leave a bunch of points on the board for it to be like, for us to really kind of escape. Uh, so like, it, it's not like we went out there and kind of crushed it. Uh, that said, I, I really like what I'm seeing out of Jalen Waddle. I think the fact that, um, we're not, we're still not using him right. And we're not, you know, creating these opportunities to get him down the field. I do like, uh, what we did with him, uh, on the first drive where we, where we created an opportunity for him to make something happen in space by getting him the ball on the end around. Uh, and he, you know, all, he had to beat two jets to the edge. But he has the speed to do it, and he did it. Uh, in addition to that, he's just become just an incredibly reliable third down target and just an incredibly reliable target in general. The, I don't think many Dolphin fans, when the Dolphins drafted Jalen Waddle, foresaw him in this kind of, I mean, look, certainly we're not using him in the role that, that we'd like to see him where we're throwing the ball down the field and he's got 20 yards of catch. And I think he's capable of doing that. But that said, I don't think people saw him as, hey, this is going to be like the kind of guy where when you need a, a catch, when like on a third, on a big third down, you could throw the ball to Jalen Waddle and he's going to get the tough catch. But that's really what he's becoming. And that makes you more, that much more excited about his career trajectory. Because once they actually figure out how to get him use, utilized in the correct way, then it's just that much more that he has in the arsenal because it makes him a, a complete receiver. Uh, a guy that's capable of being one of the best receivers in this league. So I, to me, he, he kind of stands out as a bright spot every week. And this week, even though the numbers don't wow you, you look and you see eight yards per catch and you say, well, like there's nothing, there's nothing outstanding about that. That's because that's how they're using him, but he's doing exactly what they're asking him to do. And he's doing it exceptionally well. Yeah. And if he places one of his feet, a little bit better on the field of play, he busts that long touchdown that we've been waiting for from him. But he stepped out of bounds early in the game. But it, it could have been a big one 
for Jalen Watley. Just misplaces his foot on the sideline. Uh, some other things that are good. I stood out of my chair and 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 celebrated when Tua Tungavailoa hit Mac Hollins on that 65-yard touchdown pass. Now, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about that because that factors into another one of my talking points coming out of this game. But that was a moment where all we hear about is how Tua doesn't have the arm to throw the ball downfield. Well, he threw the ball downfield there. 50-something yards in the air, hits Mac Hollins for the touchdown. Was it 50-something yards in the air? I don't know. It may not have been quite 50-something yards in the air. I think it was like 40 yards in the air. Well, either way, it was a nice pass downfield. Hollins was wide open. He made made the play to score the touchdown. But all we hear is that Tua can't throw the ball downfield, and he did. So, you know, that's one thing. But as I said, that's going to factor into another point that I'm going to make a little bit later on today. So we'll come back to that play. But... I thought, again, Tua took some steps forward as a quarterback today, which I thought was really nice to see. Um, I also got to give, you got to give a shout out to Brandon Jones forcing that fumble. Brandon Jones and Javon Holland looking really good right now in the secondary for the Miami Dolphins. Also, Jalen Phillips continuing to be an impact player for this team. A lot of those guys that the Dolphins have drafted on the defensive side of the ball, Noah Igbenogany not included. He's sort of the exception of this group. But a lot of these guys where the Dolphins have spent early draft capital on the defensive side of the ball, a lot of those guys are coming good in ways that are you you really like to see, particularly in their first, second year uh, of action. It's really nice to see how those guys on the defensive side of the ball are coming along. So that's another really good thing to talk about. Um, I, I don't know if that it's necessarily fits into the good because good is subjective in the sense that the Dolphins did manage to run the ball against the Jets. They were maybe perhaps overcommitted to doing so, but they did an okay job running the football in this game, running it a total of 33 times for 115 yards. Granted, that's only three and a half yards per carry at the end of the day. So that's not excellent, but there was, they saw that they could take advantage of the Jets weakness in their run defense and they, they were able to do it. And, uh, you know, Miles Gaskin had 23 carries for 89 yards in this game. That was that was good. Gaskin also he caught a touchdown pass, which was nice. It's nice to see Duke Johnson get involved a little bit. Patrick Laird uh, had a big play on third down early in the game on that opening drive that kept that first drive going for the Dolphins. So they got some they got some good contributions in this game from their running backs, which again not necessarily great, not necessarily huge, but in a game like this where it was gonna be. As ugly as it was going to be because the Dolphins don't have this sort of high-octane offense, to be able to run the ball and and take time off of the clock and do that and to help with the ball control aspect of the game, I thought that was a good thing for the Miami Dolphins. Brain, any other goods for you before we move on to bads? I think I think the good and this kind of ties into your original good point uh is that this is what I think the third time in in about a month or in about four starts now that uh Tua in the fourth quarter has led a long scoring drive when the Dolphins needed it most um and so 
he's kind of showing that that it factor that when the, in the biggest moments of the game when you need him to he's been on point and he's led the dolphins on these drives and that's that's a huge that's a huge deal because that is not something that we said about Ryan Tannehill when Tannehill was here. That's not something that we said, you know, about Jay Fiedler and, and other quarterbacks that the Dolphins have, have had over the past 20 years that haven't, that when we've, when we've been in this, like, oh, maybe they're the franchise quarterback. Maybe they're not the franchise quarterback. Usually the, that's kind of the thing that they don't have is the it factor. Tua seems to have the it factor. It's just we're wondering about the physical tools. And so it's good to see that he he's he has that it factor and he's coming through in the clutch where he needs it the most. Because I think it's an important part uh, of the anatomy of what you want your franchise quarterback to be. Yeah. And I, I think at this point it, it's obvious that – if Tua is going to be a guy that has a successful NFL career as a starting quarterback, it's that it factor that is going to carry him to that because he doesn't have the physical tools that a lot of these other guys have, but it was always about he's a guy that does have those intangibles. He's got that personality and he's got that that it factor, that ability to get it done when it's time to get it done. So, you know, without devolving into an entire conversation about Tua, uh, well, we, I think... Are we going to do that? Because I feel like we should do that. Well, I mean, we I feel like we do that every episode, but I, you know, that's going to, I think that's going to feed into the point that I'm going to make a little bit later on. But again, I thought it, again, it's clear at this point with Tua that he does have that aspect of it. It's can that aspect of it Combine with those other things in a way that can make him and can allow him to be successful quarterback in this league. And at this point, it's still a question mark for me. I know it's not a question mark for everybody, but it's a question mark for me at this point in time. But let's move over to we talked about the good. Let's talk a little bit about the bad brain. Where would you start if you're going to talk about the bad, but not necessarily the ugly? Well, I don't know. What's bad? What's ugly? I don't know. The first thing that comes to my mind that's just bad is Jason Sanders missing another chip shot field goal. Uh, it's, it, this is the, the thing about it is I'm, I'm still not, I'm not upset that Jason Sanders got signed to the contract that he, that he got signed to. I don't think that he's like, overpaid at the end of the day Jason Stan Jason Sanders is still a very good kicker and I'm happy that he's the kicker of the Miami Dolphins but the notion that he is one of the best kickers in the league like like I think he's a good kicker and I feel good that we have a good kicker that's locked up that's signed and that's not an issue that we have to worry about but is he one of the best kickers in the league now I don't know because he, you know, it's not like his rookie year, he was amazing. He was just, he was good, but he was just so good last year that it was like, okay, this is one of the best kickers in the league. But 
We haven't seen that consistency. We haven't seen him be the best. It's not like Jason Tucker or Adam Vinatieri or one of these guys who you can set your watch to it. He's going to be the best, one of the top three or four kickers in the league at the end of the year, every single year, and that you can just count on him week after week after week. We're not there at this point. It's not, there's no automatics now with Jason Sanders. And that gives me pause. And so it's something that you should at least be concerned about if you're a Dolphins fan. I don't, I'm not at the point where I'm like upset about Jason Sanders right now, but I'm certainly a little bit concerned that he's not as good as we thought he was. Yeah. He certainly has taken a step backwards this year. I, I mean, along with a lot of the other members of this team, he's certainly regressed quite a bit, but. You know, it, I, I don't, I don't know what to say. It's like you, you paid him and now he's not the, doesn't seem to be the player that he was last year. And, you know, is it just a matter of he maybe isn't quite as good as he was last year? Uh, like overall, that's not the player he was. And he just had a great year last year when there were no fans in stadiums or whatever. And now this year, now that there are fans back in the, stadium for whatever reason he's taking a step backwards or maybe it's somewhere in between uh whatever it is he's certainly not kicking the ball like the guy that Dolphins paid last year so I I think we'll get another year of that and then the Dolphins will decide whether or not they want to move forward with the the kicker thing being solved but we'll see but it was certainly frustrating uh for me one of the bads is that This pattern continues for the Miami Dolphins. Great scripted opening drive to the game. And then hitting the doldrums in the rest of the first half and the entire third quarter. It just seems like this team just falls off of a cliff, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, and just can't seem to do anything right in that period. And it's just... What I don't understand is how it happens this almost the same way in every game. And I don't know if that is just if it's the players, they're young players, they're inexperienced, or if it's a coaching thing. But the, it's just alarming to me that this team goes into the like literally the same pattern um, just about every single game. Is the same thing. Start out really strong, looking really good, and then completely disappear for the second and third quarter, only to reemerge in the fourth quarter and, you know, lately secure a victory. Um, I don't know. It's, I, I just, I don't even know what to say about it. It's just mind boggling to me, Aaron. Uh, well, I think it's tendencies. I just think that, you know, we come out with a good game plan where we really thought about it, but then we revert into these tendencies. So like after our scripted opening drive and, you know, we throw some things at the other team that maybe they didn't prepare for, which, hey, that's kudos to the offensive coordinators because, you know, it's one thing to to say, well, hey, we can't do anything you know, in the second quarter of the game and, you know, after they've made adjustments, but you do have to give them credit. If you've been this good on your scripted drives, 
Well, that means you're doing something right to come in with a good game plan. The thing is, you have to be able to build off of that, and you can't just revert into the same tendencies where the defense knows exactly what's coming. And part of it, I mean, part of it is just, you know, the nature of the the talent that's there, particularly on the offensive line, is that you get a negative play here or there. You get a penalty. Uh, you get... You know, a, a pressure given up by the, these offensive linemen just, they're not good enough to string three or four really good drives together. And the nature of the way that the Dolphins offense is right now, where, you know, it's a beautiful thing when you can have these 13, 14 play drives that end in touchdowns. The problem is. That's what the Dolphins need to do to score a touchdown almost every single time. And so it is hard to do that in the National Football League on a consistent basis because you're going to have negative plays. You're going to have penalties. And then you're going to put yourselves in a bad down and distance. And that's where you need uh, a quarterback and, you know, and an offensive line that can protect to, to be able to come up with those third and long conversions, which are difficult to do when you don't have the talent on the offensive side of the ball. And so... You know, we put ourselves in these spots where we're running the ball early and we can't run the ball and we're throwing these quick outs. And, and also, uh, I noticed something in this game and this has been something that's been bugging me for a little bit, but I called it out in the first quarter of this game. The Dolphins had, I think it was a third and five or a third and six. And the play was the play. It was a quick read to throw a quick little three yard slant and hope that the receiver would break the tackle and, you know, make a guy miss to get the first down. And my thought was, look, every, the old adage is, Hey, like third and third and whatever, you got to throw to the sticks and beyond. Like this wasn't a third and 20 situation where you're kind of calling a give up play and you're hoping to maybe make something happen in space. This was a very gettable third and five, third and six situation. And instead of moving Tua out of the pocket to manufacture some time to let receivers get beyond the sticks, the Dolphins are coaching so scared because they know the offensive line can't protect that they would rather take their chances throwing a three-yard slant route than trying to move to a, who is mobile, by the way, to instead of moving him out of the pocket to try to manufacture time. We know that the offensive line sucks. We know that it's part of the game plan to get the ball out of Tua's hands quickly to avoid him getting sacked and to avoid those negative plays. But you can manufacture time by moving him out of the pocket. And the Dolphins do none of that. And that is just, that is a major failure of this offensive coaching staff. No, I agree with you completely. And it kind of leads me to one of the things that is bad for me. Another thing that is bad for me, which is that this coaching staff just doesn't seem to trust their quarterback. Uh, and for, for whatever reason, you know, it, but at the end of the day, this is the quarterback. So are you that afraid of your quarterback that you are willing 
to call weaker plays and to be more conservative on offense because you think that gives you a better chance of winning than actually going for it, then that is a problem in and of itself, right? And it also speaks to all of the rumors that we heard all offseason and that persisted all through the trade deadline. Um, And it also leads me to the next point that I want to make, which is my first ugly, well, I guess the really the ugly for me. And it's, I don't know if it's ugly necessarily as much as it's a, it is a very sort of hashtag Sam old dolphins kind of thing. But it seems to me that this game was a kind of perfect same old dolphins game. And, and, and what I mean by that is that whatever the narrative that you believed about the Dolphins going into this game, whatever the narrative was that you were bought into, you got something in this game that forwarded whatever that narrative was. If you're one of the people that is a diehard Tua believer and you think that he is the answer no matter what, you got some really good signs in this game from Tua. He made some very good passes, some very underrated passes uh, with defenders in his face, put the ball in good locations. Uh, a third, There was a third down pass to Jalen Waddell uh, for a first down. That was a really, really good pass. He made that downfield pass to Matt Collins. He did his thing. If your narrative is the Dolphins coaching staff doesn't want Tua Tungavailoa. You've got that last drive in the first half where the Dolphins played super, super, super conservative football driving down the field before they kicked the field goal, before they ended up attempting a field goal at the end of the half because they were afraid to actually, you know, be a bit more aggressive with their play calling with Tua at the helm. If you are, you, so you got some juice there. If you are one of those people that believes, well, the Dolphins signed Jason Sanders to a a new contract, so now he has to regress. You got him missing a 32-yard field goal. If you got, if you are the believer that Tua Tungavailoa is not the answer for this team and he is not a great quarterback and he can't throw the ball downfield, even on the 65-yard touchdown pass to Mac Hollins, you can sit here and tell me, well, he only made the pass because it was a busted coverage and the ball was very underthrown, but because it was an underthrown ball and the, it was a busted coverage, Hollins was able to make the catch and score the touchdown. Tua also threw a very bad interception in this game. You know, again, showing that propensity to make one or two very bad, costly decisions in the game. He did it again here. So if you're one of those people who was like, here are all the reasons why Tua can't be the guy, you got things to feed your narrative. It, it's just, it's one of those things about this team that kind of drives you crazy, right? But in a, in a way, it's just perfect because you also have the people who are super optimistic that believe the Dolphins can win out and potentially make a run at the playoffs. And I'm not, I'm going to tell you straight up. I am not one of those people. I love the Dolphins. I want to see them win as many games as they can because there's no incentive for them to lose the games. And so winning the games is really great. But do I think this team is making a run to the playoffs? Nope. I don't believe that's going to happen. But if you are one of those people that says, let's get to seven and seven and see what happens. Well, they won the game. They've won three in a row, and now they're going to have three straight home games against teams with losing records. 
eminently winnable games, although I think the Carolina game is tougher than a lot of people are thinking at the, on, on its surface. But at any rate, any narrative that you choose to believe, that you subscribe to about the Miami Dolphins, Whatever your conspiracy theory is, whatever the narrative it is that you are subscribed to, you got something to help forward that narrative. And that is just one of the things that drives me up a wall about this team. And I'm not here to tell anybody how to fan, and I'm not going to tell anybody what to believe, because I think this is a, you know, it's a big tent, right, Under as a Dolphin fan. You can have people that are positive and support the team no matter what, and are never going to say a bad word about them. That's your prerogative. And you're going to have people who are, are going to be negative naysayers all of the time. That's your prerogative. And then you've got people who are cynical fans like us who would, would like to try to see things positively, but, you know, have been fans of the team for a long time. And, you know, we kind of know how these stories go and we're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. You've got us too. All of us got something out of this game. And it's just kind of like, same old Dolphins. Here we are. What was ugly in this game for you, Brain? Well, I, I think the interception. <laughs> the interception was a really ugly interception. I've said, you know, and I'll continue to say as long as the season, as long as we're in this season, uh, the most important thing and certainly the most important important thing at this point is the evaluate the continued evaluation of Tua Tonga Vailoa and it's just every single game it seems there is just one horrific either throw or decision or both and it came pretty early in this one uh it was a really really bad interception uh it looked like the ball just sailed on him um I don't know necessarily if it was a bad decision. It just looked like the ball say it was just a really bad throw. And I don't know what's worse, a bad decision or a really bad throw, considering, you know, when it comes to Tua, you know, a lot of times you look at it and you say, well, the really bad decision is the is the bigger indictment because you know that the guy can make all the throws. But when you don't know that the guy can make all the throws, when he makes a really ugly throw that ends in an interception, it just adds more fuel to that fire that says, that he ain't it. Um, and so when, when you see that and it's, it's look at this point, it's a trend. Uh, it's, and it's been a trend, uh, that, that really needs to end. Uh, you, you have to just call that out. I think that was pretty ugly. Um, but you know, he, he made up for it the rest of the, the rest of the game. So, uh, you know, I guess all's well that ends well. But to me, that's the ugliest thing that sticks out because at the end of the day, the most important thing is the evaluation of Tua. And that was uh, like when you look at his game as a whole, there were really maybe one or I mean, there was the one third down pass to Jalen Waddle. And other than that, I don't know that there was another really great throw. Did he hit a couple of big plays down the field on some blown coverages? Yes. But Jacoby Brissett's making those plays. And we need to, to be a lot better than, and he is better than Jacoby Brissett, but that's not the bar. But at, at the end of the day, like he made one really great throw and he made one really, really ugly throw. And then the other throws that he made, he just made the throws that he was supposed to make. And there's nothing wrong with that. They didn't ask him to do a whole lot, 
which is why, you know, I gave him a B minus. A lot of people got on me because I said another C plus B minus performance by Tua. Okay. I, I, I've done some thinking on it. It wasn't a C plus. It was a B minus. Okay. All right. At the end of the day, 27 of 33 for 273. Pair of touchdowns, one interception, 108.7 QB rating in the game. Stats you aren't can't bad. argue with the not look. You can't Stats argue with the numbers. The numbers are good, but you got to watch the game too, and you can't just be a prisoner of the numbers because you could you could put up numbers just making easy throws and having bad defense, and that's really what happened here the vast majority of the game and that's really what happened against the Ravens as well is that he beefed up his stats on a couple of blown coverages and other than that he was pretty mediocre uh and and it was pretty much the same thing in this game but I'll say this is that he only made one really bad throw and that's to be said that that's to be uh commended uh, at the end of the day it like Tua is never going to be this guy that just lights the world on fire with his, with his arm talent. He does have great accuracy, but because of it, he's going to need to be an elite, elite game manager. And that means not turning the ball over. Absolutely. Um, which no, right, right now is a problem. It's not something that he, he that he's meant that he's excelling at is not turning the ball over. He's turning the ball over at least once pretty much every game. So that's something to keep an eye on. Oh, absolutely. And I think, I, you know, I think it's an underrated part of the story is how much of what we see, what we're seeing out of Tua this year is game plan. And it's, it's, the offensive coordinators. That's part of the problem. And we know that that is part of the problem because when Jacoby Brissett was the quarterback, it, the offense looked exactly the same, right? So, and I know that another part of that problem is the offensive line and you have all, and you also don't have the weapons. And so you have all of those caveats built in, but I can't help but think, and this is certainly not meant to be, uh, you know, seen as like making an excuse for Tua because I, 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 I'm not making excuses for him. I, the, the plays that he has made that have been bad plays have been bad plays. But I think a lot of the reason that you see him, you know, just kind of making the game manager plays and, and making the easy passes and doing all of that stuff is that that's what he's being asked to do. He's not being asked to go out there and, you know, grab the game by the scruff of the neck. He's not being asked to do that stuff. And that's because of the system that that is in place. And I think, you know, anybody from the outside can look in and go, oh God, this offense is not a very good offense. Um, and there are a number of reasons that the Dolphins offense isn't a great offense. And, you know, might Tua be part of that? Possibly, possibly. But I, I, I also think that the issues... That are underlying, like I think the root of the cause, the problems that are the of the Dolphins' offense, I think they go a lot deeper than who the player is 
at quarterback. It could, it has a lot more to do with the guys calling the plays and also how those particular individuals feel about the quarterback that they have in place. And I think that has outsized impact on what we're seeing on the field as opposed to what the quarterback himself is doing and or capable of doing on the field. But at the end of the day, as we said before, Dolphins get the 27 to 17 victory over the stinking, disgusting, horrible New York Jets. They are four and seven. They have won three consecutive games and now have three consecutive home games against the Carolina Panthers, New York Giants, and New York Jets. And it is all there to play for, for the Miami Dolphins. Again, I don't believe this is a team that's going to be making a push for the playoffs just because even if they should win these next three games, so much has to go right in front of them for them to, for the window to be opened up for them to, to make that push. I, I like to be perfectly honest. I, I don't th- I think that they've gotten some help. I mean, you're, you're only two in the loss column bet- behind like, like five teams right now. Uh, it's, it's not that it's, it's not that look, I believe that if you win 10 games, you're probably going to get into the playoffs. The, the problem is I don't believe that this team is good enough to win nine games in a row. Yeah. And, and I think, but we, we can't look at it that way. You just have to look, just, are we good enough to beat Carolina? If you beat Carolina, then we'll talk about, are you good enough to beat the Giants? If you beat the Giants, we'll talk about, are you good enough to beat the Jets again? Which they should be. They just beat them on the road. The, the bigger issue is, it's going to be difficult enough for them to win these next three games in a row without tripping up. Because, I mean, let's face it, they were just in a dogfight with the Jets. So they could very easily lose to Carolina and all, all you know, the season's over. Right. Um, but even if they get to 7-7, seven and seven, that's when things get difficult. <laughs> right. Then you yeah, get the that, That's when you've got to play three playoff teams. Right. Or three teams battling for the playoffs. And there's... And that's where it's it'd be so same old Dolphins for us to get excited about it because right. you're going to get excited about it and keep getting more and more excited week after week after week after week. And then it's going to be seven and seven. And then you're going to be like, yes, we finally made it to seven and seven. What a same old Dolphins thing to say, by the way. <laughs> uh, and and that's when they're going to you're going to be like big game, big game. This has playoff implications. And that's when you get your doors blown in. Right. Well, here's what I'll say. Again, I don't, I'm not buying into the whole idea of playoffs at this point. No. Is it possible? Is it something to shoot for? Absolutely. Because it's football and you cheer for the positives, right? But here's what I'll say. And the people out there drinking the Kool-Aid are, are going to like this. Because if, let's just say, Dolphins beat Carolina, it beat the Giants, it beat the Jets. They go to New Orleans, take on Trevor Simeon and the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans. A game I predicted that they would win, by the way, at the beginning of the season. And they win that game. And they take on Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans. And they find a way to beat the Titans. 
And then at nine and seven, they come home in the closing game of the closing day of the season. And they beat the New England Patriots to finish the season 10 and seven on a nine game winning streak. And they find a way somehow to sneak into the playoffs. I mean, at that point, you got to go kind of feel bad for the division winner that has to host the Dolphins at home. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying Dolphins end the season on a nine-game winning streak with, with three straight wins to close out the season over New Orleans, Tennessee, and New England? I don't know. If we get to that point, <laughs> yeah, that, that, <laughs> this is just so preposterous because it's like, it would be like us sitting here last week and saying, you know, if the Jets beat the Dolphins at home, you know, all the Jets need to do is win like eight games in a row and then we're in the right. playoffs and nobody needs to, nobody, you know, like every team in the league can sit here. You get teams that are like five and five or five and six are like, hey, all we got to do is win six games in a row and then nobody's going to want to play us. I'm just trying to say (laughs) there are people out there that believe that this is legitimately a possibility. And what I'm saying is that's what needs to happen. Do I believe it's going to happen? No, of course not. Would I love it if it happened? Yes, of course I would. And if it did, it would be a thing where the Dolphins would be 10 and 7 going into the wild card round of the playoffs on a nine game winning streak and... Quite frankly, they would likely be the hottest team in the National Football League at that point. And that is, you know, that's a fun little fantasy to play out in your head as we go into Thanksgiving. So while everybody's in their trip to fan comas, fantasizing about the Dolphins ending the regular season on a nine-game winning streak. But listen, we beat the Jets. That's great. Soon we'll turn the page and we'll start to think about Carolina. But tonight we're going to enjoy this one. I'm in the greater Chicagoland area. So tonight I'm going to do a shot of Malort. And anybody who knows what I'm talking about when I say I'm going to take a shot of Malort, you know what I'm in for. I've never had one before. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a video of this. We're going to do, do this live on camera. Well, not live, but we're going to film it. And I, maybe I'll share that on Twitter. So at Amplified to Rock, follow me so that you get a shot of what it looks like when I do my first ever shot on alert. But uh listen, it's it's the Thanksgiving season, so we we always we're going to talk about what we're thankful for the brain and I in just a second, but first we got to talk about the food take. So brain, I want to ask you what is your favorite all-time Thanksgiving food dish? Okay, so Before I get into what my favorite dish is, I'm going to take this as my opportunity for my Aaron's hashtag, uh, hashtag one Hataki. Uh, Thanksgiving in every house, it seems the biggest deal is it's about the turkey. You got to buy the turkey and you know, everybody's got, you, you do a dry brown, you do a wet brine. Uh, what, how you, you deep frying your turkey, you smoking your turkey, you roasting your turkey. What are you doing with your turkey? You getting a 10, how much turkey can you get? The bottom line is Thanksgiving's about the sides, man. Nobody gives a damn about the turkey. The turkey is the worst part about the Thanksgiving dinner. In, in, in my family, 
look, my mother-in-law, she, she's making the turkey this year. She goes all out. The Thanksgiving is her Super Bowl. So she's been thinking about for weeks what she wants to do with this turkey. And meanwhile, all the, all the kids and the siblings and me and my wife and her siblings and the cousins, we're all sitting there having these conversations. Is there any way that we can convince your mom to just not make turkey this year? Like, we'll just make ribs. We'll just Great. Ha- get like a few buckets of fried chicken, you know, ha- and make a big, you know, the Cubans do it right. They get a big pork. They get a big pig. They roast a big pig. You do some lechon. That's the way to do it. Turkey, that's not the way to do it. So my, my big hashtag, hashtag one hataki is that do Thanksgiving with no turkey. That's what you got to do. Get rid of the turkey. You know, boycott the turkey this Thanksgiving and try, try a different kind of protein or just do all sides. Now, if you want to go favorite dish, this is where it gets difficult because there's a lot of good ones. There's a lot of good dishes. I'm a potato guy. I love, I love mashed potatoes. I love sweet potatoes. Uh, I kind of earned a nickname of Papa Dulce around here and it's mostly because I love sweet potatoes. Um, but I love stuffing too. And then, you know, I, the last few years I've been making this great mac and cheese. You can't go wrong with a mac and cheese. I love mac and cheese. But to me, and it, hmm, I can't say no to a sweet potato casserole either. Um, but to me, what it really comes down to, see, if, if you're just specifically talking dinner, I'm going su- sweet potato casserole. That's my answer. However, for me, it's all about the dessert, baby. It's all about pies. Pecan pie, pumpkin pie, sweet potato pie, all, all kinds of pies. Give me all banana cream. We get this Oreo pie from the Terry's, the orange grove right there on Griffin Drive. New River, Road. New River Groves, New River yeah, Groves. Yeah. yeah. Go, go over there and get out. the best key lime pie that you've ever had. Um, they got but, a shout out on, on, on the, uh, the drive time podcast. We're talking about. New River Groves. That's where yeah. you go in South Florida. Get your pies. Right. It's, it's Terry's is the, the place that actually makes the pies, but it's inside of New River Groves right there on Griffin Road, uh, between, uh, what is that? Just, uh, just west of the turnpike over there. Uh huh. But, uh, if I have to, if I have to choose one dish, uh, at the dinner, t- at the dinner table for Thanksgiving dinner, it's, Sweet potato casserole. But look, all of these sides are great. Sweet potato casserole, mashed potatoes, green bean casserole, stuffing, all kinds of different stuffings. Just get rid of the turkey, man. We don't need the turkey. That's my hashtag one hot talk. Aaron is out on turkey. I'm with you. Sweet potato casserole. Bomb. You get it with the cinnamon on there, with the pecans on top, the sweet potato casserole. Fantastic, fantastic. You love it. I heard today uh, my good friend on Twitter uh, at 95 Sports, he told me today his, uh, his wife has a recipe for a bourbon sweet potato casserole with sweet and savory bacon and pecans. And I'm like, I'm fired up. I'm like, I got, he sent me the recipe, so I got it. I'm going to see if I can float that by. 
Mrs. Amplified to rock and see if I can uh, get her on board. It might be a little late in the game to be throwing a wrench in her uh, in her plans, but you know, we love a sweet potato casserole. I also love a green bean casserole. I know a lot of people don't like a green bean. That's maybe a little bit of a hot take, but I like a green bean casserole. I like it. I'm into it. I love it. Brain, uh, and we asked the, the, everybody's watching live to share their thoughts with us on what their favorite dishes is. So maybe the brain will share some of these answers with us, but I love a sweet potato casserole. And uh, I also love a green bean casserole. I really do. Really love it. And stuffing too. I, but I would agree with Aaron on the take that turkey is just not necessary. You don't need it. You don't need turkey. Let's get some ham in here. Chicken is even fine. Um, my, my wife is Italian, so we get the get the lasagna in there on Thanksgiving. That's a good move. But the turkey, look, turkey has got to be a roast. An oven roasted turkey has to be the most overrated dish in on the planet. Like it's just, it's not what we're here for. Mashed potatoes with the gravy on it. The mac and cheese, the Brussels sprouts, the green bean casserole, sweet potato casserole. Mm. Even my mother's famous, uh, what's that cranberry sauce that she makes? The the gelatinous cranberry sauce is even better than the turkey. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the cranberry sauce. No, neither am I. But listen, better than turkey. So, Brain, we got any good uh, good answers in there? I saw somebody uh, talking about some mac and cheese. Yeah, Kevin Clemens, he loves his mac and cheese, but he, he, he kind of went on a thing. He loves his pecan pie. He loves his, he loves his, uh, cranberries. Oh, he, apparently he loves crab apples, or I almost called them crabapples. Crabapples? Uh, this is crabapple. <laughs> yeah. Um, not, not as many people. Oh, here we go. Oh, oh look, another person is, is standing rib roast, but no, it's, it's Kevin. He loves all the, he loves all of the, uh, the Thanksgiving foods. But again, the, you just the turkey. I mean, it's the most, it's the, not only is it the least important part of the Thanksgiving dinner and the one that you just want to get away with or you just want to do away with, but it's also, the thing that everybody stresses out about, like right. you're, you're making this big freaking turkey, you're slaving over the stove for like eight hours, you're checking it, you're basting it, you're doing all this. It's taking up all the room in the oven so you can't make any of your other dishes and you're, you're putting, you're stressing yourself out over making this giant damn turkey that at the end of the day, you're, you're just doing it so you can have a picture. You're doing it so you can have a picture of the turkey on the table. But at the end of the day, everybody's just taking like one little slice of turkey. Give me some gravy. All right. I ate that. Now give me like a two plates full of sides because that's what it's all about. It's all about the sides, baby. Mm. I'm a, I, I'm I'm in 100% agreement with you there, Brain. All right. Well, we've, we talked about food, Thanksgiving food. I'm getting hungry. I'm getting fired up. So let's wrap it up. Let's close it off with... Uh, what are you thankful for this year, Brain? What 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 is it that that you are thankful for uh, in terms of the Dolphins, in terms of life in general? What, what are you thankful for? More so than anything else, look at the end of the day, I'm thankful for my family. Uh, I'm thankful 
<laughs> I almost went into this. My wife and I really like to joke around. This is another Real Housewives kind of moment. But Shaws of Sunset, another Bravo show. There was this guy uh, who he he had anger management. And so he was like sitting around. And whenever he was like he had like a timer for every couple of hours, his phone would ding. He'd be in the middle of a conversation. It would go ding. And then he would go, I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my son. I'm thankful for my family. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my family. Uh, I'm thankful that, uh, you know, I've got a, a, a good job, a roof over my head, and that I'm going to get to enjoy a beautiful Thanksgiving dinner with family, with all of the fixings, because not everybody is that fortunate. So be thankful for what we have. And as a Dolphins fan, I'm thankful that the season is not over. We still have meaningful football, just barely, for at least one more week. And so I'm going to enjoy it while we've got it. Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll have uh, meaningful football for at least a few more weeks. Absolutely. Absolutely. I- I'm going to say this I- I- because I echo all of that, I- right? I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my health. I'm thankful that uh, things with this pandemic have calmed down to the point that you were able to visit this year and we- I was able to see you in person for the first time in a little while. You know, thankful that my family was able to visit. I'm thankful that I'm able to visit. My friends here in Chicago for this Thanksgiving, um, you know, all of this is wonderful. Uh, I think above all, you know, and this is the Dolphins podcast, but I think above all that I am thankful that I am at a place where I have the luxury of stressing out over a football team of being able to put all of my worries and all of my anxieties about what is going on in everyday life, that I'm in a place where I can put all of that to the side for three hours every Sunday and think about the Miami Dolphins. And I I would hope that everybody that is watching this or listening this that can hear my voice is in a similar situation. You were in a place where you were able to put your anxieties and all of your worries about real life aside for, you know, not just three hours every Sunday, but for long enough to be able to listen to the two of us rattle on with our bad takes about the Dolphins and that we're in that place, you know, and so that that you're in a place where whoever you are that is listening or watching that you're in a place where you can put that life to the side for long enough to listen to us talk about the dolphins. Um, We're in a, it's a volatile world that we live in right now. It's a, it's a weird time and there are a lot of stresses and anxieties around, but I'm thankful that I'm in a place where I can put all of that anxiety aside and embrace this big Miami dolphins community of fans and podcast listeners and Twitter users. And and even when they're hating, even when they're hating on our takes and when they're hating on the opinions and all of that, I am grateful that, uh, (laughs) what was that take? I missed it. said, this is real life. 
bad takes, but wouldn't want it any other way, gentlemen. My man. My man. We love Cap for life on this show. Uh, but, you know, it, we're how fortunate are we? That that is something that we have the luxury of doing. And we, you know, we often don't think about it as such, but we do. At the end of the day, we've got the ability to pull up our phone or our computer or whatever it is and listen to a podcast about the Miami Dolphins. So I'm thankful that it ain't that bad. You know what I mean? So I'm thankful for that. And of course, I'm thankful for everybody that actually invests time listening to the show and interacting with us. We really appreciate it more than I think you would even know. Uh, thankful for all of the f- friends and family at DolphinsTalk.com, Mike, Tom, uh, Big E, uh, everybody over there. Uh, what we got? Uh, Armando Velez, Dan, Danny Jablonski. We got, you know, everybody, everybody over there. Ryan Van Hoover writes for the site. Thankful for Ryan. Kevin uh, thankful Dern. for thankful for Kevin Dern. Thankful for the guys on the Two Amigos show. Thankful for the two old doll fans. Thankful for thankful for everybody. Thankful for Reason. Thankful for Richmond Webb, Mr. Ballgame, the guys on the finish line. Uh thankful for thankful for Shady Steven. We're thankful for everybody here at DolphinsTalk.com. Um, we want to share all of that with you because I don't know if we're gonna be able to get another show out to you before Thanksgiving. I don't know what our schedule is gonna be like for the rest of this week, but I wanted to make sure that I shared all of that with you today because you know, listen, we all love the Dolphins and we're all thankful that we get to cheer for them. But you know, just take that moment and recognize and appreciate just how fortunate we are that we're in a position where we can actually enjoy this stuff. You know, we're fortunate. We're lucky to be alive and healthy and here when there are many people who are not. You know what I mean? So that's going to wrap us up, I think, Brain. Um, as always, you can follow us at Amplified to Rock is me. He's at Aaron the Brain. The show is at Same Old Dolphins. Make sure you're visiting DolphinsTalk.com each and every day for all the latest Miami Dolphins news and information. Make sure you go to BetUS.com. Use the promo code DolphinsTalk to get 125% sign-up bonus. So when you're, you know, being a degenerate gambler, like I know some of you are, I may be a little bit as well. Who knows? Uh, you know, go to BetUS. Do it at BetUS. Because that's a good place to do it. Uh, yeah, subscribe to the show. Leave us a five-star rating. Leave us a review. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Turn on notifications. Like this video. We appreciate it very much. We appreciate all of you. Wherever you are in the world, uh, if you celebrate Thanksgiving, uh, we hope you have a happy, safe, and healthy Thanksgiving. If you don't celebrate Thanksgiving, we hope you can take a moment to just be thankful for all the good things that you have in your life. Because this is as good a time as any to be thankful and grateful uh, because I think all of us are more grateful than we might give ourselves credit for. Uh, you know, we're, we're a bit more fortunate than I think we give ourselves credit for sometimes. So it's, it's always nice to be a little thankful, I think. So we'll be back. I don't know when that's going to be. It might be brain solo. It might be, uh, it might be brain with a special guest who knows later this week, but, but keep it here on the dolphins podcast network. And we will make sure that you are covered with all things Miami Dolphins. But until then, take care of yourselves and each other, and we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. And as always, Go Dolphins! Google Gobble.